Welcome to the Wizardist Podcast. I'm Paul Canetti. This is episode eight. Today I've got Vic Christov. Vic is a fellow ex-Appler um, who is uh, the founder of a new startup, sort of a stealth startup in the restaurant space. Um, recently moved to Bulgaria to basically head up a software engineering team there. I spoke with him just a couple of days before he was moving, uh, so it was awesome that he took the time out to come and say hi. Vic is an audio and music guy um, who has made the transition into tech, essentially in the role of sort of product management, business, uh, the sort of planning, but not the coding uh, and so in a lot of ways, uh, and this is actually how he describes himself, he is a producer. And we talk about the similarities between producing music and producing software. We talk about working at Apple. We talk about uh, hiring teams. Um, Vic is also a dedicated vegan. We get into some vegan ethics uh, as well. Uh one funny story that Vic didn't tell, but he told me after we stopped recording, was that during his training to be an Apple genius in Cupertino, California, he sat down at lunch in the cafeteria, and uh, who was at his table but Steve Wozniak. And him and Woz basically talked about music over lunch, which is pretty insane. Uh, next time that he's on the podcast, he'll have to tell us the story himself. Another thing that Vic and I talk about um, is the power of networking and paying it forward. And in my experience, Vic is just one of those guys who's ready and available, always willing to help. And I think that that's a really important quality in somebody. And he talks about how he uses that personality trait to really create a meaningful network that he can leverage uh, for business when needed. I know the publication of these podcast episodes has been a bit sporadic. It is my goal to release a new episode every two weeks for the remainder of 2017, and I'm going to really try to stick to that. Uh, one of the ways I'm doing that is by recording episodes further in advance so that if there's a busy week or if someone needs to reschedule or whatever the case may be, I have some backfill. And so I'm recording these a few weeks in advance so that uh, I can release them with a semi-regular schedule. So you can expect new episodes uh, every two weeks starting with this one, which I'm very excited about. Throughout the fall, I've got some great guests coming up from uh, some major tech companies, major media companies, and uh, startup founders like Vic. As always, I encourage you to subscribe. I encourage you to tell your friends. I'm trying to get the word out about The Wizardist Podcast, so if you like what you hear, please uh, pass it on and subscribe so that you can find out when there are new episodes available. One thing to note about this episode is that my microphone, as it turns out, was not recording. And so uh, my voice actually is coming through Vic's microphone. He sounds great, uh, but my voice is a bit muffled. So I apologize for that. Uh, put two audio engineers in the room and we still have a broken mic. All right. Without further ado, I give you Vic Christov founder of an unnamed tech startup that uh, I think you'll be hearing about pretty soon. (laughs) 
I have the new Touch Bar MacBook Pro. Well, not the new new one, like last year's. It's yeah, it's new compared to my. Yeah, no, it's great. My it's great. Thick, I love it. I love it. Half an inch MacBook Pro here. Yours when I came back um, to New York and picked up my old, because my old one is the CD drive MacBook Pro, the 15 inch yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the I keys felt so weird. I was like, this is like a typewriter. It was awful. So has the touch, do you, are you using the touch bar? All the time. It's yeah. so underrated. No what one talks you, about it. It's phenomenal. What do you use it for? So like volume all the time, yeah. uh, playing stuff, going between tabs in Safari. Uh, in Final Cut, I use it. Huh. Scroll around in Logic, I use it. Do you have I use the piano bar in Logic on it. Whoa. Yeah. You can use only the scales on it. Interesting. It's great. Do you use um, uh, like external displays? Uh, yes. So I'm thinking of getting the LG one. Uh huh. No, because the reason I ask is that like I have my I have my computer closed half the time. Yeah. So then the touch bar isn't that useful unless you're actually using that screen and that right. keyboard, right? So I haven't been on an external display for six weeks. That's why. But it. I have more desktop space with the touch bar because I came from the t 2012 MacBook yeah, Pro. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> everything yeah. was like right, humongous right. in your face. So this one was much better. That's pretty uh, funny. Yeah, yeah. So I like it. I think it's much better. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've messed around with it, like, but not, I haven't really used it, used it. They need to make a, like a keyboard with exactly. A, or like that an external one. touch yeah, bar. Yeah. Yeah. They, I want, um, I want to just use it for the emoji. Oh, all the time because I use I have the shortcut like shift option command yeah, space yeah, right. so you can pull it up and that that always it, it already knows which you know emojis you're going to be using so you just scroll around and just cry face all the time. Uh, just Laugh, lots of laughing cry, face. cry laughing yeah, yeah, cry the face, laughing so. cry face yeah, yeah. The, the happiest cry the happiest cry. Yeah. I wonder if the people that originally came up with emoji like if it was just used, if it's used totally differently now than how they imagined it. Well, I mean, yeah, the Japanese do everything totally different than how they imagined it. Right. <laughs> like I think maybe they actually meant crying and we use it as like crying, laughing. Right, right. And then they're like, fine, we'll add it. And we're like, no, we're still going to use the other one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, mix them together. Uh, emoji sort. You know, there's like a council, I think it's called like a, the Emoji International yeah. Consortium or something. Right, Cartoon Network. <laughs> How do you get a seat on that? Yeah, I, I don't know. That would be I interesting. Think, I think we should nominate ourselves. Yeah. And just, just go there and make faces. Be like, what do you think of this one? <laughs> Your live face. Oh, like this pizza doesn't look vegan. So we need to change uh, the cheese yes, on that. Yes. It's vegan cheese. <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, like the way you can hold down for the skin tones. Yeah, same thing for the pizza. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Pepperoni, mushrooms. Exactly. Broccoli. It's like what? a burger, veggie yeah. burger, yeah. you know, bean I burger. Impossible burger. Yes. Have you had one? No, it's Impossible Burger. What? So Impossible Foods, The it's a company in California. They yeah. raised like a hundred million. Oh, nuts. have so you tried it? They took like five years developing this, this meat substitute and they launched last year and they had the first burger here in Momofuku Nishi. And it was always during lunchtime. So, like, they'll start at 12 and it'll sell out by, like, 12.07. Oh, my God. So, they used to have lines and now, like, it relaxed. But now it's a bear burger by NYU. And the, the patty is much fatter and the thing is incredible. Because, really? like, so it cooks, it looks like meat and then you can brown it and on the inside it's red. 
but it's not because like they had beet juice. It's they they isolated heme from plants, which is the thing that co- coagulates blood or whatever in meat. This is what I remember from Reddit, from what I read. But um, it cooks and it's moist and juicy. Is meat moist? It's it's juicy like meat, and then. Um, it just, it's great. I haven't had meat in like five, six years. So wait, so Impossible, because I know there's a, a few companies doing this. They are creating synthetic meat or they're cloning meat cells? They're making meat from plants. So it's plant-based food. It's not like they're making meat. Right, because there's it, another company. Yeah, yeah, right, right. That's like making, in other words, beef without ever having the cow. The cow. Right, right. Um, I don't even know if I would, I would have that. Yeah, just so because that's I, interesting. Yeah. So, okay, so how long have you been a vegan? Uh, like a year and a half now. And how has it been? Great. I mean, we started here in New York, so it's not tough at all. Yeah. Like there's a, a few blocks away, I'm in a story, and there's, it's, it's a Asian vegan place, and they have like so much variety there. Um, and was this primarily for... For the animals and, ethical reasons. and then the environment. So like when we became vegan, it wasn't just like, oh, it's in, it's trendy. We, you know, we, we stopped, we wore out everything that we had leather, even though we stopped buying leather a long time ago. Um, so, um, yeah, we, we got rid of all this like animal products in general. And when everything. you say we, you mean you and your wife? Me and my wife, yeah. yeah. And our dog. So she's vegan as well. Wow. Yeah. But she's always loved, like, since she was, like, a puppy, she always loved, like, cucumbers and, like, <laughs> random veggies. So, like, she, it, for she her, was tested. fine. So we tried, we wanted to make sure that she's yeah, healthy. We took her to the vet, blood tests and all that stuff, and all good. And she continues to, like, I'm sure, like, you know, if, she, if we gave her meat, she'd be like, hell yeah. Right. You know, but, and I don't deny that, like, when you go to a barbecue, it doesn't smell good. Right. Like, it's, it's fine. But, yeah, we did it for, for the ethical reasons first, and then environmental reasons as well. I, I would consider those other sorts of ethical reasons. Yeah, They're yeah. Ethical reasons. Right, 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 right. But, but still, I think that, you know, those are factors. And then, then, then health. I'm, I'm jealous because I find myself in this weird area where I agree with 100% of why one should be vegan and just find myself too lazy, I guess, for lack of a better word, to do it. But as I I am already 100% convinced. Okay. I'm just... Right. Contradict my beliefs. Right, right, right. Every day you're like, I hate myself. Yes. I mean... It tastes delicious, but I hate myself. (laughs) I've cut my meat consumption consumption a lot. Mm -hmm. and so I'm edging towards there, but I feel like there are people who, you know, sort of have arguments against, or not against, but but will sort of defend themselves, but I have no defense. I'm just... Right, right. I mean, like, my, just my, made the jump. my best friend, he's like, I agree with you 100%, but uh, meat is delicious. Yeah. And I'm like, I, I, I agree with you too. And he's like, I feel like an asshole when I eat it. We're going to have to bleep that out. Yeah. Right, right. Uh, <laughs> podcast land you can say right right yeah so yeah he feels bad about it but then he'll still still eat it but whenever we're working at home yeah um he like we were just vegan the whole time and yeah. he he loves vegan food it's yeah, just yeah. like me too right at, at home where you know when he goes to his parents or whatever it's just i me. i actually believe that in the future when technology is better and we can communicate more effectively with animals and read each other's thoughts right, or whatever, right, right. like it will be illegal yeah to eat meat. Well, if you think about it, like people are so like, oh my God, the whole Yulin dog thing and, you know, dog owners in America that say like, no, so against that. And I'm like, why do you eat cows? Right. It's, it's no, just it's the, the same. same. Like if you, 
if you raise a cow like a dog, it will be a friend to you. It's the same exact, you know. Right, it's, well, it's just not the same as people haven't spent a ton of time with Right, cats. right, right. It's the uh, same thing with other, you know, intelligent animals. Yeah. Dolphins or... Chickens, you know. too. I mean, you oh. see people with chickens and, you know, uh, I'm not sure about fish, but dolphins for sure because they're mammals. But yeah, sure. still, like, why kill fish when, you know... No, of course, I'm not even saying that yeah, the, yeah. the ethical... Yeah, the intelligence thing. It has to do with intelligence, but as, as far as why people write, yeah. you know think that eating a dog is wrong or right. eating a person is wrong for that matter right 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 you know um so i think once you break down those barriers if if you could have a conversation with a cow and the cow's like no i really hate it when people kill me and eat me right probably that would be a fairly yeah. convincing reason why unless the cow is a comedian on twitter and it'll be like kill me who's <laughs> <laughs> a sarcastic yeah yeah cow. right uh, no but but then it's it's also interesting when you have these startups. So it sounds like Impossible is going more of a synthetic, like a plant-based. Yeah, plant-based. Um, but but so imagine if you could have real meat without ever having had a live animal in the first place. Right, right. Um, like if you could just clone chicken breasts all day and, yeah. and make chicken fingers. Right. You know. Then I would like buy a lot of those and just throw them in, in like Africa and feed the lions and be like, please don't kill the zebras. Kind of thing, you know, like. <laughs> so you're even an animal vegan. No, no, I mean like I, I, I don't. should not eat other No, animals. no, no, I don't I go against that. that. I think that's like, that's nature and like let, let that's, that's how, you know, lions keep the wildebeest in check or whatever, you know, that's, I'm not against that. That's no that's pretty funny. But yeah. would you eat that? Would you eat what? a chicken finger if it was a chicken? It is not a chicken, but real chicken meat. Um, I don't know. Is is that even? It, to me, like the healthy part of it goes goes with it too. Um, I mean, what's uh, like beef or chicken, for example? Maybe the way it's raised now is not as healthy. Um, would I eat it? Probably not because I'm so used to not eating it. And I don't right. see the point if we already have, if we're doing the plant-based thing, um, we're like, like growing plants, farming and all that. Um, right. Yes. How many, how much resources does it take to do the, the synthetic meat yeah, I mean, versus the I'm plant? I'm thinking one? of a future scenario where it's all just, else is equal. Right. right, right. Yeah. There's no, there's no downside. Right. Right. You know? Okay. Um, I don't know. I'm, Maybe I don't know. Yeah, I'm not, it, I'm not it, sure. It's interesting that the answer isn't. I'm not against yeah, of it. Of course, right? Yeah. It's it's ambiguous because it's a very weird thing. But yeah. probably in our lifetimes, that'll yeah. be a reality. And it's interesting too because I feel like there's a cultural piece where it's like, I don't know. For instance, I I took uh, American Sign Language class and interesting. And I learned about the deaf community, which I really knew nothing about. And, yep. And they don't wish that they could hear. Yeah. I mean, know? I understand. Well, in other words, especially once, if, yeah. like, you know, as if you went to someone who's been deaf for their life and mm-hmm. you said, hey, I want to give you some, you know, implant and now you can hear. Yeah. I'm sure some of them would say yes, of course, um, but some would be offended. Yeah. And it, there's an interesting analogy there where it's like if someone's been vegan their whole life and yeah. you're like, oh, well, now you can meet, eat meat, but don't worry, there's no moral downside. Right, right. You still might not go yeah. for it. Yeah, like to me right now, I'm like, I... I'm not sure if I'll try it, but I'm not against people, you know, like if the company is like killing cows to try and clone it, that's yeah, different, yeah. you know. Yeah. I, I don't know. Tough but issue. there's a thing with like uh, a lot of people forget that, like everyone's like, oh, yeah, we're going to Mars, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, you know, you guys are going to have to be vegan when you go to Mars because there's no cows there <laughs> or chickens or cheese. 
so what are you going to do? You know, like, and people are like, oh, shit, yeah. You know, they, they forget that. I'm like, yeah. They cancel my ticket. Yeah. Um, well, maybe, you know, there'll be an Impossible Burger. That's the first, the first restaurant on Mars. Yeah, yeah. So you are moving somewhere that might be harder to find vegan restaurants. No, actually. So, so first, I want to hear all about the move. I want to hear about yeah. what's happening and and or about the food scene. Okay, so yeah, first, I'm moving to Sofia, Bulgaria. That's Eastern Europe. It's north of Greece and Turkey, um, Black Sea and Romania and... Uh, Whoop, whoop, Romania. What was Yugoslavia or whatever is on the left side? <laughs> and I'm usually really good with geography. But um, there's a lot of vegan restaurants there. Not a lot, but there's, for what I thought, there, there's way more than what I thought. Right, there that's would be. awesome. Um, they kind of just skipped the whole vegetarian restaurant. They're like, oh, it's just vegan, it's easier. And I found that out in Poland too. Uh, two years ago, we stopped over in Warsaw while we were going to Bulgaria and tons of vegan restaurants. And I was like, wow, okay. One of my favorite restaurants in the world is in Sofia, and it's all vegan. It's crazy. The food there is just incredible. So what is motivating you to move? So I started a tech company, and we're doing our software development there. Um, it's just uh, easier to find engineers, a little bit easier to find software engineers. Uh, it's way more affordable. Uh, and yeah so that's, you're gonna be the, the, main the guy on the ground yes yes also i'm bulgarian so when we were doing uh, our whole plan and budgeting and we we're like man it's a lot of money to do it here uh, do we want to sell so much of the company to to raise the money then we realized like what hey there? yeah um, we're like where can we outsource it and we're like, I remember, I'm like, oh, Paul did it in India, but he had a co-founder who's Indian. And I was like, that's great. I wish we, I was like, oh my God, I'm Bulgarian. <laughs> <laughs> and there's, there's so many. It's me. Yeah. Like, I just found out Uber's whole AI unit is there. No way. Yeah. And there's huge company, like VMware has a humongous building there. Yeah. Ubisoft has like their third largest, there's tons, tons, tons and of companies. And all in the city or nearby? Mm -hmm. Wow. In the city, yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, have you been there? Like, so I was born not in Sofia in Plovdiv, but uh, I've been going for the last uh, like seven years, every two three years. Do you still have family there? So? Yes, yeah, I have a few cousins in Sofia. So nice. uh, yeah, I I just spent six weeks there setting up the company and finding an apartment and everything for us. So it was a little tough because it was just me and my FaceTime. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, got it all done. Amazing. So tell us about what you're working on. So I can't say much um, because we're still still developing it. We'll just bleep out everything. Uh, yeah, it's a the, <laughs> <laughs> yeah no um, yeah it's uh, it has uh, something to do with restaurants. It's kind of like the Uber and Lyft of restaurants. But we started here in New York about two years ago. And we did all of our um, basically prototyping, graphics. We just need to go there and code it. That's all that's left. So we have our US side and our Bulgaria side. And yeah, we're all set up there. I did some interviews, found one guy, uh, and we're interviewing another guy. Somebody's helping us there. So we're interviewing one guy, and then a, a team of three or four should do it, plus me. So I'm just excited to get everything started. That's amazing. Yeah. And once you're there, obviously, it'll be easier to sort of yeah get yeah that together and it's, yeah it's hard you know i feel like the uh the first couple of hires are really tricky because 
you're not just hiring someone to sort of plug into an existing no, no. We have system to- or an existing team. It's it's like you're also looking for the types of people that could be the first one. The right, one. right, right, right. I mean, yeah, it's uh, we we got to make sure they all gel together, and it's also um, where was I going with this? Mm, yeah, the culture. We have to set up the culture correctly, um, and so like our hiring process, we have so many steps. You know, even like you don't respond to the ad. There's a when you look at the ad, you have to follow directions immediately from there. So we've weeded out like six, seven candidates because they didn't follow directions. They just responded to the ad. The number one question we ask uh, usually, like you know, if we set up a phone interview with someone, yeah, what does Maz do? Right. And they don't need to get it 100 percent right. I mean, obviously there's but. If they're like, uh, yeah, or yeah. like if they haven't even been to the website, if they haven't done any basic research, right. we're like, okay, you know, why are you doing this? <laughs> thanks, but uh, unfortunately, this interview's over, and people yeah. really, they're like, what? Are you serious? Yeah, and we're like, yeah, like. Yeah, you got to do a little work. Just, you know? just, and it's not a lot. Like our, our thing just says go here and follow the directions from there, and from there it's like do this, click here, it just answer a few questions and you're in. You know, and then we can interview you if we see that you're a fit based on your resume, which isn't anything crazy. We've been interviewing just a few people that did the steps correctly. But like, it's not hard. Just I want you to, you know, this is part of the test. Right. Because it's, you know, you have to not essentially always follow direction, but you have to kind of look into it. Like just like how you ask your applicants, like, who's Maz? 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 Uh, jazz. jazz, Maz, who's Maz? <laughs> uh, you know, they, they should know a little bit. Yeah. You know. Yeah, exactly. It, just, that's important. It just shows some level yeah. of effort. Or, yeah, exactly. So it's interesting you say you've been working for years and and all of that has been sort of the pre-work for right. the actual development. I feel like a lot of people don't understand this point, which is that I don't want to say most of the heavy lifting, but at least an equal amount of the heavy lifting is in the planning yeah. of the product. It's it's thinking through every scenario. It's designing everything. It's is when you get into the development phase, it should be fully baked. It just doesn't exist yet. Like I always make the comparison that it's like um, building a house, and you actually yeah. mentioned this before. Yeah, like yeah. Construction crew, but like. Imagine trying to build a house without like blueprints. Right. You would never I don't ask care a construction how, crew to do that. Right. How great they are. But yeah, it doesn't work like that. And yeah, that, that's our thing. Like we're non-technical founders. So, you know, most people are like, hey, let's build something. And they just start coding and they solve problems and it's all fun. And you get Starbucks and whatever. And like here we have <laughs> we have something. Let's try and sell the company or let's try and make some money. And we're like, well, we don't have that. So... We, we see the construction analysis, we're like, oh, we can architect this bitch. And then all we need to do is hire the construction workers to lay the foundation and put the walls up and then the customers can walk through. So our thing was like, let's, uh, let's how, what are we trying to solve? How do we solve it? How can we make money from this? How can we plan this correctly? Let's execute all that. And as what do we need to do? Just code it, right? And that's it. And after that, obviously, we have more plans later on. But like all those problems have been solved. So now we all we have to do is just for our first phase, just code everything and let's get going. And it's a lot faster and cheaper to to think of all of those things before, because in the scenario you're painting where you just like start building. Yeah. Um, which I think is largely sort of a myth anyway, because mm-hmm. because even technical founders, people that know how to code, 
they still have to sit down and think through everything. Yeah, like, of course. You can't just you. There's no such thing as just sitting down and typing code. No, like, no. You know, there's still. But but if you're sort of planning and coding in parallel, you end up having to go back and, and, and do, fix things. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Whereas if you try to think through a lot of those theoretical barriers, yeah, it's cheap to think. Yeah, it's expensive to code and recode. We did, you know, everything's been done so far for free. Yeah. Like we we didn't pay anyone for anything. Like we just sat and did it ourselves. So I'm curious about, you know, how you sort of got into the tech side because obviously there's parallels between us musicians that right. have gone to the dark side. Yeah. Uh, but I think black shirt. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> also wearing black t-shirts. Yeah. There's there's a lot of, I I believe I don't know if you agree. There's a lot of transferable skills. Of course. Like, I feel like the same sort of creative energy and the way that you can produce music. We're know, producers. Yes, yeah. producers is, yeah. is really a great word for it. And so how do you think about that? And like, you know, how has it been learning about the tech side, but also like, you know, where does it sort of fit in as far as, you know, using that same sort of creative brain power. So as a producer, so I'm going to have to go back. Yeah, um, yeah, so I, I went to high school uh, at Queens Vocational and Technical High School, right? Uh, and that was before it was a good high school. You know, like they, there was all different kind of like you can do computers, business, electrical installation. Like we had plumbers running around and then like girls with mannequin heads. And it was crazy because like it was all different vocations, which was really, really interesting. You met really cool people there. But we didn't have a like a lunchroom or a cafeteria, so we ate in the auditorium, and they called it a cafetorium, right? So there was no, no, it was terrible. It, it was built as a night school that you know, but that built built people who they are. So either you got into a union, or you know, you you're doing something crazy, or nothing at all. Just that's normal. So anyway, I, I was doing computers there, and by the end of you know our last, um, so like the first. Uh, ninth grade 10th 11th right each grade you got extra hours so it was like first it was one hour a day or whatever one period and then by then we we're doing like four in a row which was so long and i got super bored because we we're doing hardware and i'm like this is stupid like we don't need to learn hardware this was 2002 three three right? i'm like we can't do hardware because we need to do software that's where it's going like no one cares about hardware you can just buy and replace things like no one stop with this um <laughs> and and i was like I talked to the teacher. I was like, look, can we like learn HTML? She was like, yeah, cool. So I developed like a few lessons and like I taught the class a little bit. Nothing crazy. It was for like 20 minutes and we did some HTML, right? Um, and then I was like, cool, I'm going to go to school for programming because this is my thing. I'm going to be a hacker. I'm going to do crazy stuff. So I got, I got two scholarships, one for math and one for programming. And I, and I went on a full scholarship and I dropped out after four semesters. Because I was like, I hate programming. <laughs> and I was like, I want to do uh, music. And I'm like, I'm going to do music now. And I was in bands for a few years. And then I was like, no one's listening to me because I want to produce the music. And they were like, no, it should be this way. I'm like, emo's dying, please. Let's do something else. And it just wasn't working. So I was like, I'm going to music by myself. Then I started working with my friend um, who I've known forever. Um, and that's who we have the company with now. Um, and from there, I just started, we, we started producing music together. And we would just solve these problems and be like, well, how does, you know, it was all self-taught. Like, it's not like I took classes and went to school. And I was, we were like, all right. What software should we use? I don't know. Let's try all of them. And then we finally settled on Logic, right? It was like Logic 7 or just 
eight or something yeah. it was crazy old but ultra beat still looks the same it's unchanged <laughs> yeah unchanged but yeah if, from if you option and go to the legacy plugins no no it's like don't it <laughs> no but yeah from there so we we, we always reversed engineered stuff because we're like what makes this pop song great you know what's good about this so we always try to go back to it and and just see like kind of to the most common simple thing what sounds good and how it's going to work so that's how we always built everything because we weren't classically trained like i don't know how to play piano you know what was your like instrument when you were in the bands so i always wanted to do drums but i couldn't because we live in new york city I know. and no apartment i was like i can't afford electronic drums those things are like two thousand dollars so i was like i'll play guitar fine <laughs> <laughs> um so i i did guitar i was pretty bad at it um but i had a kick-ass guitar i had a prs Nice. Which I sold because I was like, this is stupid. I don't so need no, to... no more guitar. No, no. Um, I don't need to own like a super expensive guitar. Yeah, it make sense. it's funny, right? I have I have like a Les Paul. Yeah. That I don't even plug in. Like I just I it looks beautiful play, on the wall. I literally play the electric yeah. guitar unplugged yeah. in my bedroom. Right. And that's basically like as loud as as I am, can play. Yeah, yeah. Like, no, but I mean that's it, it's like it's a passion thing, right? So you do it whenever you can. But still beautiful guitar. But anyway, yeah, so that was, that was my guitar. I was awful at it, but still, like, I could, like, put together chords to make, a, you know, an, an, some sort of a song. But that's why I like the piano and working with the computer better because you can, you know, there's all these tools to help you. Right. So if you don't know how to play piano, you can just put on, like, the scale mode and be like, all right, cool, I'm doing and something. And you just need yeah. your ear, basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, which I think it's always developing. Like, I, I'm, I don't think I'm a good producer. I'm okay, you know. But it, good enough to get attention, you know. Like, I've made some really good friends that with with my idols, I would say, in house music. So, like, I, I'm happy to do that. But, you know, my music's never gotten to that point. But either way, I always tried. You know, I, was like, I, I always work on it. I love I loved doing it. Um, so, yeah, I think that whole producing aspect just gets your mind mind working in a different kind of manner and lets you see things from a different perspective you know like yeah. how we we're talking about the lining thing mm -hmm. uh, earlier yeah well so it's interesting thinking about that because before before we started recording we were talking about you know just having an eye for um for design and right. like seeing when something is off or misaligned or the margins aren't equal or it's a pixel off this way, a pixel off that way, it should be bigger, smaller, whatever. Right. But I, whatever that instinct is or that feeling that I right. get when I'm sort of like, ah, it's the same when I'm editing music. Yeah. It, it's the same sort of like, I, or, or you it's kind of final comfortable. Cut. Like I can't tell you why, but I just, it just needs to be two frames shorter. Right. It just feels better. Like there's not, I don't know, it just feels. That's that's the only thing. And like over time, I've learned to trust that. Mm -hmm. It's not like, you know, you watch tutorials and all this, so no matter what you're doing, and you're like, it should be done this way. But you're like, it doesn't feel right. So I'm doing it correctly, quote unquote, and, right? And do you think part of that is because you're self-taught? You're self-taught in music, you're self-taught in so, design, yeah. in product, in Because tech. no no one's ever told me what is correct. I've just seen heard or you know experienced finished product yeah and the way they made me feel so i was like okay i love this cup because the way like i can hold it right or i love this video because 
it just switches at the right time and even though like it doesn't switch on beat with the song or whatever it is right. it just makes me feel a certain way or same thing with a song so because i never went to school for any of those things i don't know what is the correct way to chop up a video or, or a song or whatever i just know like when it should feel right right well it's funny like with design sometimes so for instance if let's say you have an icon and you know, there's a general rule you want, let's say, an equal margin on right. each side. Right. But for some reason, it just seems wrong. Even yeah. Even you know it's it's yeah. it's right in that there's equal. So you say, no, just push it one this way, one that way, and then you're kind of like, yeah, now it looks right. Right. Because right. maybe it's a star or, whoops, like a weird shape, yeah. you know, where um, where it looks better. It, it's, it's a funny thing, right? In editing, I, I, I feel like the telltale sign of like, a film school music video yeah. is that the cuts are always on the beat. Right, right. You know? And it like a lot of the time it just doesn't feel correct because you're like, I don't know, just humans perceive it wrong. Yeah. They, they don't know. Uh, what was I seeing something recently? Um, and then I realized like it looked like it was a perfect cube or something, but it was tapered. And I was like, but it feels right that it's tapered, but like it's always been marked as a perfect cube. And I was like, no, it it's right. Weird. It shouldn't have been, you know, but yeah, it's just, it, that's super important. So when you think about creating software, it's yeah. not only about the way it looks, but also the user experience, sort of understanding, you know, what someone is going to do or not do or what they're going to think or, right, right. you know, what their expectation is when right. they get to the screen, will they know where to click or right, whatever. Right. So what sort of guides that process for you? Like, well, for example, the, the ratio between like how familiar this looks and how unexpected it, it is, right? Like, it, it, is this something completely new? And if it is, then it probably won't work really well because, you know, everyone always like complains about Apple every year. Oh, it's just an incremental update. These guys never do anything. But it's, it's like you can't just introduce something crazy new on every single iPhone because people like so technology moves faster in society. And like you can't just change stuff on people all the time so just because it's possible doesn't mean you should do it right right and i'm not saying don't try but you know kind of weave it in same thing with music i mean like when you listen to music and it, it, there's always a song feels familiar but they did something differently yeah and it just could be just one element be like oh this is fresh and it's like is it really fresh well and i remember <laughs> you know like my band in college we were always trying like some new time signature or something like you're right, always right. trying to be unique just for the sake of being unique right instead of doing something because it serves the song right and i think it's the same with tech like yeah if i look at some of my early app designs they were just trying to be smart just to be smart right or, right you know and and usability suffers in those cases yeah and sometimes look it works like you know so that this is when someone will say well snapchat yeah look totally different and whatever and yeah. end up being successful it's like sure that was the one in a million right all the other ones well it was successful because it did something different not because the way you like i still can't get around so snapchat functionally yeah it did something cool you're like oh nice so i can send a dick like pic and it'll disappear in spite <laughs> of the fact right right but then like i still don't know where to swipe with snapchat that's it's just, crazy that's just because you're old <laughs> <laughs> I, me too I yeah know. yeah uh but like Instagram was great, and now like I like I'm trying to do stuff, and it'll like swipe to the left. I'm like, why? Yeah, I don't. Instagram actually, I feel it has become more and more complex. Right. And one of the great things about it was that it was so yeah simple. You open it, just upload a photo, 
yeah. done. Now right. it's like, oh, I swipe by accident and I'm in a different mode. Yeah. And then, you know, same thing with like uh, Messenger. Like I, I, I haven't used, now that I moved to Bulgaria, Yeah. everyone uses Messenger there. So it's just weird. So like, is that the big, that they use Messenger over like WhatsApp or something? Uh, or yeah, mostly. Um, or like Viber. Mm. Um, I don't know. But they, everyone is on Messenger. Right? And that's because um, they pay for SMS, but like their data is like dirt cheap. Wow. Like I, um, I got a cell phone there. I mean, a, a SIM card for my phone iPhone, I have an iPhone. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I got an unlimited plan, which was like around 20, 25 US dollars, which is a little bit pricey for there yeah. a month. But I got unlimited wow. data. So oh, for that one month. $25? Yeah, I got to show you. So you guys are not going to see this. God. But, and that was like the most expensive plan. Uh, but I actually just tweeted this a few days um, ago. You got to see the speed that I clocked on. This is your cell? This is LTE. It says 93 megabytes per second. Right. And then look how much data I used that month. 108 gigs <laughs> on your cell data. Yeah. Wow. So I had to, um, I didn't have, um, so I was, Why in, not? I was in an Airbnb right. and I didn't have my, um, after my Airbnb, I moved into my apartment and then I have internet for like two days. So I had to like Netflix or I can't sleep. So <laughs> yeah. It's $25 for unlimited cell data, yeah. is the Wi-Fi, like is home internet the same? Is it even necessary? Uh, I mean, yeah, because why not? So I like, why not, Bulgaria is like the, when the top five in the world of fastest internet, I think they're second after Romania in Europe, That's because amazing. like everyone's on fiber, like fiber optic, it's yeah. nuts. And it's like 13 level, uh, so it's like $7 or something for like, you know, like, I have 60 down, 64 down, but it feels fast. It's yeah, great. I mean, it's, if, yeah. if it's reliably, it's no, it's it's insane. I yeah. mean, here, on the in the best moment, maybe I can get you know a hundred down. Yeah. But the average is like one. Yeah. <laughs> so well, it's like so, so the, yeah. the you know the range is big. Yeah. You never know where you're gonna get. No, I, I have 300 down in my home because I complain every month, and I'm paying for the 100 down for oh, the 300 man. down, and it feels like two down because uh, let's not name companies. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I I'm not afraid to name companies. Yeah. <laughs> we, we have FiOS here, and I uh, do think it's better. Is it? Um, but it's not great. Yeah. But yeah, I used to have Time Warner, or whatever. Now Spectrum. Right? Yeah. Just I mean, the, the it's worst in the just too many people. World. I think it's just too many people here, and I like guess so. everyone's it's, eating it's not all like the they bandwidth. Know how many people live in New York? No. Like, yeah. You should be able to. I don't plan, know. Figure it out, and there are of course other cities in the world that are just as densely populated that have great internet. So right. Seoul, really Korea. Yeah. Yeah. Great example. Yeah. Uh, I didn't know Romania had number one. I think yeah. Romania is number one in Europe and Bulgaria is like second or third. You know, I'm Romanian. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I'm dual citizen with Romania. So nice, nice. Um, but neighbors. We are. Yeah. I, I don't go often, but my dad is there like all the time. Sweet. Still does a lot of business in Romania. So come to Bulgaria. Yeah, maybe we'll come. It's like a 10 minute flight. Come hang out. <laughs> uh, so you're building out the team in Bulgaria now. Yes. And how do you know who to hire? Because this is another challenge I think a lot of people have, which is in the sort of non-technical role. Yeah. Even if you have the funds or the, you know, um, the connections or how, even if you are like on paper, you're ready to hire people. Right. If you're not technical, how do you even know how to vet someone? How do you even know how to interview them or, or determine 
if they're legit. Right, right. So uh, like my whole life, I've always been um, all about networking, right? So everyone always knows me as like, hey, Vic, I need a discount for something. And they'll call me as like, who do you know there? And I'll just like <laughs> refer you to like my Sweetwater guy or like my PC Richards guy or whatever, because like I, I'm always about like building relationships. So even if I don't talk to you every single day, I can always call you and be like, hey, Paul, what's up? I have someone here. You know, they need this. And you're like, oh, sure. And I'll send them over. And it's like beneficial for everyone. Or I mean, not not me at the moment, but I know that. You know, if I need something from either of that yeah, person, to pay it forward, so yeah, yeah, and, and to me that's important to have like a really big network. So two years ago when I went to Bulgaria, I I met, um, it was it was my grandma's 80th birthday, and we went to this resort for like like a spa thing to treat her, uh, and it was on like a random Tuesday or Wednesday, so it was like empty, and we went. They had a bowling alley there, and it was just us and and like these other like two like super tall white guys and i'm like these they're not bulgarian i'm like there's no shot so and, and they're, they're speaking this weird language and i'm like this is not german it's not dutch and i'm like it's close to dutch what is this and i'm like who are you guys from because <laughs> i'm like i can't not talk to people uh, so they turn out to be south african and one of them is married to a bulgarian girl and lived there and we became like great friends so like we spent several days at the resort together then we went back to sofia and like we just spent a few long quality days and um then they moved out of bulgaria because uh, he's a he's a game developer so i'm like hey fabian i have this idea of going to bulgaria to do uh you know to his company blah, blah blah do you know anyone there and he's like yeah of course so he connected me with uh, with a, a his a really good friend of his so he's uh helping us right now with the hiring and all that so that's why the network is so important my cousin is a software developer, but he can just recommend me other developers. Uh, my friend Fabian recommended me someone who has a company there, who's hired and all that. Right, so, so he can help you with yeah, this process. Yeah, yeah, so we wound up hiring him and he's currently helping us. So he that, that's what they do. Uh, they build out and they hire teams and all this uh, fun stuff. That's awesome. Yeah, so he turned out to be like a great, great guy. And like, we just like, we, we talked on FaceTime first and then when I met him in person we just started talking blah 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 we wound up going to a club together seeing like some deep house DJs it was just like a, a good time um, so he's a great guy but he he knows his stuff technically he was a well, he still is a software developer but he's like the CEO of a company now and all that so he's helping us out so when we're interviewing people I ask those like mindfuck questions out of left field and people are like, oh, sh okay. And I'm like, answer, you know, <laughs> just to see what they would say because uh, I, I think it's important to be able to answer that kind of stuff. And it's not, there's not like no, no right or wrong answer. It's just what would you say in this situation? And he's very like by the book and he has like his own interview steps, which are great. So like we were like a double team there uh, just getting to know people and he's helping us with that. That's so, amazing. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people don't... Look, everyone knows networking is important. Right. At least everyone will say they, they know it's important. Right. But I think a lot of people don't really use it the way it's to be used, exactly how you're right. describing, which is that if you could form a relationship with someone, even something brief, yeah. I, I would say even an hour coffee, but if it's a meaningful conversation, if right. you connect on a human level... Yep. And you have an ask of that person later in life that's, you know, not crazy, but, you know, proportionate to how well you know that person. Right. Hey, can you introduce me to so-and-so? Yeah. Hey, 
do you know anyone that knows how to build a development team in Bulgaria? Right. Hey, do you know any good designers? Hey, do you know anyone in this industry? Right. People will go to bat for you. Yeah, of course. You know? And and the problem is that I think a lot of people rush at the end or they only are sort of, um, I don't know how to put it, but like networking in real time. Like, what do I need today? So I'm going to try to meet people today. It's long term. Always. Exactly. It's always long term. Exactly. And you can't rush things. Like when I meet people for the first time, I'm, I never ask for anything because first, I don't know what to ask you for. Even if I know like, oh, man, uh, you know, maybe we can check you know to see if we can raise money from this person or whatever it is and it's just like i'm not gonna be like hey i'm Vic. so what do you do and i'm doing this we're raising money it's like no it doesn't doesn't work like that or whatever it is uh, not that we've done that but like just you know it was, it was an example but like that's not i don't think that ever works and if it does it's gonna be like a double-edged sword because someone's gonna come back and be like hey i got into a car accident come change my tire or something crazy <laughs> you're like what and like well i helped you with this and you're like you know, <laughs> like you get into awkward situations. Yeah, no, I mean, you, you, right, you have to build a relationship and you have to understand that even if someone doesn't have anything that could help you today, forget asking them. Right, right. They, they might not. It, it's it's that in the future, right, there is something and you're just building that network and you're building that network. And, and I really do believe that is how you overcome some of these seeming chicken or egg problems, like for instance, you want right. to hire someone technical, but you don't know how to hire. Right. It sounds like you guys have solved that by finding a trusted source to help you with the hire. Exactly. Where your first hire is someone that can help you hire. Right, right. Um, and, so, and there's so many examples like that where I feel like, I don't know what it is, but, but I feel like that's a very hard thing for people to grasp. Right. I mean, to me, that's one of the most important things in life. Just build a network of people with all random stuff. It doesn't have to be all because then you can't build like an all tech network, for example, because sure. then, you know, if you're building your office out and you need a painter, you're going to be like, all right, cool. I'm going to get banged out here, you know, like 90 bucks an hour for, you know, a guy with a paintbrush, um, s- stuff like that. You, you should first never like look down upon people ever and then give you know i think those are super important and not give because you go you want to take something back just if you can give because people always appreciate that and if you ever need to ask for something they're going to remember you um because you you took the time out to give whatever it is and it could be giving advice giving directions or giving anything you have or you know someone i don't know needs a battery at the airport and you can charge the phone things like that you know maybe later on that flight you know, they got a better meal and you're like, hey, can I get a little bit of your vegan chicken there? <laughs> you know, and you're like, yeah, sure. You help me charge my phone. And then you have a great conversation. But like, I think giving is super important on top of the networking thing. I love that. Right. And and you also gain a reputation for being a giving person, for right. being a generous person, right. being a nice person. Right, right. You know, again, not that you're doing it because it's self-serving for no, your you, reputation, yeah. but, but all those things culminate Mm-hmm. You know, you could build a network, but if everyone thinks you're an asshole, or you just keep taking, right? It's like the, you're gonna have the network, and you're gonna be the guy that keeps taking everything. <laughs> it has to be a two-way street, right? Right. So, like, the reputation is like the next thing. Like, you should always work on that to make sure that you know you are the guy that people think you are. It strikes me that you are, at least you seem to me, like the type of person who tries to live by his beliefs. Yeah, yeah, of course. Would you say that is true? Yeah. Because I think a lot of people have a lot of convictions about various things, but they don't necessarily 
act in accordance with those. Right, right. Uh, and no judgment. Look, everyone yeah. picks what they're what they have time and energy to do in any given course, day. Yeah. But you know, over the years that we've known each other, I've always thought of you as someone who actually like sort of goes for it. Right. You know. So, what do you think that is about you that allows you to sort of align your beliefs with your actions or the way you sort of like live your life? Oh man, this is like. We have to dig deep for this one. <laughs> um, well, so I wasn't always like this, right? Uh, and a lot of it started with, uh, well, first, because of the whole self-taught thing, you know, like when I did go to school, I didn't build a great network there. Um, so because everything's been self-taught, you're mostly learning at home by yourself. You're not going to school to learn something and then you can you know, build that network, for example. So when it's time to do something to present what you've learned, you know, like a product of, of your knowledge, right? Like I, I made a song or a video or I made an app. Um, if you need to sell it to someone or like, you know, show it to whatever, um, you, yeah, I mean, because of, let's see. We need to cut a little here, yeah, but um, wait, where were we going with this? <laughs> how how do you live by your beliefs? Like right, 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 right. Um, yeah. So so when when it's time to talk to people and present what you have, um, you know, you don't have the network. And like for example, I wasn't very outgoing because I was never really you know, having a ton of friends. Uh, I was, I was never like that kind of person, but, um, my wife was, so she like, because of her, I've learned to talk to everyone. And like, because of me, she like stopped talking to everyone. She's just like, I'm tired. I just want to be quiet. And I like, now we go to like a party. I'm like, who's everyone here? Hello. I'm here. You know? And like, I, I, I love to like get to know everyone, even if it's f for just for fun. Um, and I'm always like practicing that kind of stuff. Um, but because of that, I've learned to seize opportunities, right? Because I don't, like when I see something, I'm like, it's either now or never. I always look at it like that because if I don't do it now, I might never get the chance to do something because like right at this moment, stuff has aligned for me to do this, whether it's like, oh my God, there's three seconds left on the red light. Let me cross it. Or, or green light, right? Or, or <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, because of that, I've learned to, to take the opportunity. And that's how I've learned to like present whatever my work is. Because if I don't, then I don't know when will be the next time. Unless I'm building something and I know timing-wise it's not right. But if I know that whatever I'm doing is right, or I feel right, oh, the best at the moment that I can, because I'm learning always, like everyone is always learning, then, then yeah, I have to take that opportunity for whatever it is. It doesn't matter. Like if we go to a wedding and I'm like, hey, I might never meet these people again, so let me talk to someone here. doesn't matter what it is, right? I just went to a wedding on Saturday, that's what I'm saying. That. <laughs> but yeah, it's just like you see something and you're like, uh, you know, like the MTA says, see something, say something. You know, it's that kind of mentality. You have to take it. You have to seize the opportunity. Yeah, yeah. 
and, and not like a selfish thing. It's more like just see what you can do. Yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of it comes down to just willing the energy in those moments. Yeah. You know, and and even if you don't feel like it or even if whatever, you just sort of like rally, you know, right, and, right. and you make it happen. But then also, you know, longer term or, or you know, zooming out a bit, I feel like um, even the fact that, that you and your wife became vegan Right. Because you have these beliefs, you have these causes, whatever, and then you actually like are doing something about it. Yeah. To me that all feels like part of the same Yeah. I don't know what. Like I mean it's probably a personality thing. Like I feel like um well, I was reading something about like tobacco and how people there's like three different personalities, people who get addicted and it's very hard for them to quit, people who could be on and off. Right. And then people who can just like cold turkey stop something. And I'm, I'm one of those cold turkey people. If I say like I'm stopping this and like today and that was it. That's how I stopped like putting sugar in my coffee and I had never drank coffee without sugar and milk. And one day I was like, this is stupid. And then I just stopped. And then I was like, wow, this tastes crazy. And then I figured out like maybe I should put a little less coffee and the, the, whatever. And then I just stopped. Right. So same thing when we became vegetarian first and then vegan, like I just stopped. And she was like, oh, my God, how do you do that? I'm like, she's like, I need a few weeks to wean off. But I'm like, well, if if now we believe, you know, like we we realize like, you know, the reason why we first became vegan is we saw what renette is in cheese and how they make it um for people that don't know it's i'm like, not going to go into it's it like from the inside of the intestines or something. so they, right? ki- they kill a baby calf and they take its fourth stomach grind it into water with a bunch of other stuff and then they put that in cheese because we can't digest it that's what it is but uh wow. you can look at it more r-e-n-e-t right so we saw what that is and i was like i, I can't eat cheese anymore because it's not like oh cheese is just the milk of the cow it's like no they they you know little animals die for that for for that reason, I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. Is that an all cheese? Uh, most of the really good cheese. Like the craft orange things or whatever. Uh, but they have like this other enzyme. They, there's different parts. But like like the yeah, great like European cheeses, they yeah, all have yeah. it. Right. There's like a plant-based enzyme. But yeah, I would yeah. imagine it's not used in like a good brie or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I was like, we can't do that. And I'm like, I can't eat cheese anymore. I'm done. I stopped. And she was like, but, you know, like, we, like, I need some time. And, you know, like, and that's just a different personality. Like, I, I wasn't mad at that. And I think sure. people, it, they all have different personalities of those three types. Like, that's the, the tobacco thing. That's very interesting. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, if you are living your life, anything in your life, and it's based on the beliefs you have about the world, and if you are open to changing those beliefs based on new information... yeah then it should be simple to go like the the momentum the inertia yeah. really shouldn't matter that much right i mean if you're yeah. no, if you're a personality number three which like, i yeah. would also put myself in that camp yeah where it's like you know as if a new fact comes in yeah. and and whatever not to say you should make snap judgments but as if you if you verify like right, okay right. This is true. I used to think x was true right now I see that y is true right. and x is not true right and then whatever the implications of that new belief are, yeah. they should kick in. Yeah. It shouldn't be like, Let's oh, cool, well, now it. I know that, so I'm going to schedule six months from now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because it's like, well, if you believe in that, why, like your beliefs don't correlate with your actions. Exactly. And that's what I'm saying. For a lot of people, they don't, or there's a, 
a mismatch. And of course, we're all guilty of that in of course, some yeah. way. Yeah. I believe that sugar is bad for me, but this ice cream is delicious, so right. I'm going to do it. I mean, yeah. you know, yeah. everyone has, has that. Um, but for the big things in life, you know, or even just a simple, like you mentioned, red light, green light. Imagine if someone said, there's a new study that says if, if you break when there's a yellow light right. and never, ever, ever try to go through a yellow light, it increases your chances of not dying in a car accident by 30%. Right. Like, as soon as you read the study, yeah. you should do that. Right, right. Like, that would just, it would be nonsensical. Right. And most people would be like, it won't happen to me. Yeah, I'm a great exactly. driver. And like, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Like, probably the study said it was, yeah, you know, yeah. or there's always a, a reason to sort of, yeah. to try to justify just keep doing it the way you've been doing it and that that goes back to what we we're talking about like the balance of like introducing new things to society versus that because like people are not always ready to embrace something new just because it's true and it's very hard and you're right it's the same thing yeah like just because it's true or just because it exists or just because it's accessible doesn't mean that people right. will embrace it right right weird yeah uh what do you think you think like I don't know. Take something like self-driving cars. Yeah. So Love it. that technology seems to be well on its way. Yeah. In a few years, it'll be commercially available, whatever. But like, will people actually do it? Or do you think that's one of those things that's like a jump? What's the diffusion of innovation curve, right? So like people like you and I, or at least I, totally in. I'm uh, like, hey, this is safer. Like this is... a it's stupid of me to drive. I'm not doing this anymore. The car will do it for me. It's better. Even though I enjoy driving, but I'm like, you know what? I'll buy like a crazy fast, like uh, all electric McLaren P1 and I'll go to, not that I can afford it, but I'll go to the track and do it there, right? This exercise, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, it, you know, like. I, well, it's funny. I know we were tweeting about this and you were mad at me because I got a hybrid, not right, right. an electric vehicle, but yeah. it's step in the right direction. But yes. anyway, I literally just picked up the car this weekend finally. Yeah. It's a RAV4 hybrid, okay. and uh, and it's funny, so it has like a cruise control setting, mm -hmm. but it has this, I don't know, they call it radar detection, so yeah. I guess it's using radar, but basically, let's say you're on the highway, you're going cruise control, you're, on, you're set to 60 miles an hour, yep. and the car in front of you starts to brake. Yeah. It will automatically slow down yeah. and match pace. Right, right. Car. So basically, car. There, yeah. there's some rule like there's a minimum distance you yeah. have to maintain between you and the car. Yep. If that car then started going above 60, it would yeah. keep ramping you up with them until it hit 60. Your, your target. Yeah. Right, right. And that was crazy to me because yeah. because the first time you feel the car slow down yeah. and then maintain a slower pace based on what an object right. in front of you is doing. Right. That was this just literally was yesterday where I was like, oh, this is what it feels like. Yeah. Is this is what it feels like to have the car drive for you? Yeah. Because that that's what it was doing in that moment, you know. Have um, you ever test driven a Tesla? No. No. So like I I have a few times, um, and yeah, like I'm in love with the Model X and the self driving thing because it's insane. It so just that, what they call it autopilot. Yeah, right? yeah, complete autopilot, and you know, like it would just change lanes and just do its thing, and I'm like, they're like they keep yelling at me. They're like, no, you know, like. You know, I always touch the steering wheel when they say, but you know, it was just—it's just so great. And I'm like, yelling, like the the the, the, the yeah, not the dealer, the, the people from the store, right? You know, <laughs> why are they yelling? Because you know, they they just want to make sure that like I'm paying attention not to what the car. Because I'm like, I'll turn around and like talk to my friend in the back, and they're like, no, 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 you know, you should kind of watch because you're still, you know, you you shouldn't be doing that, which I understand, right? Um, because it it 
it isn't a hundred percent ready to be let alone let loose in traffic, right? Yeah. But still, I felt that whole like slowing down, changing lanes by itself, and like it, and we didn't avoid any accidents or anything. But it was just turning and all that. And I was like, this is great. I can't wait to buy one. You know, it's awesome. Right. And then you can imagine it getting better and better. Yeah. Yeah. Where you could turn around, talk to your friend, right. or there just there's no steering wheel. Yeah. Right. There's no pedals. Yeah. I think a lot about media consumption and. You know the time that you're going to get back for right. people that you know here in the city we don't yeah. drive to and from work anyway but like yeah. for the people that drive which is most people mm-hmm. you know twice a day every day yeah they're gonna get that time back two hours yeah, yeah. you know and I, it's no more audiobooks you know right now you could play your you games could, yeah you could play games fun. you could watch videos <laughs> you could do work yeah you could have a desk uh, I, I recently did a session with the uh, L'Oreal uh-huh. and I was talking about how you know women might not do their makeup at home right they might do it in the car right because you could have a vanity a mirror a blow dryer we like, have we have to do some, some something with the seats so like when it slows down it shouldn't jerk because like imagine like putting on your uh, mascara yeah, okay. and like you know you That's go to work like with a, a pencil sticking out of your eye. jackass when henry <laughs> rollins is giving a steve-o a tattoo when they're on a you ever see that no oh my god they're like on an atv in the desert oh. <laughs> <laughs> just giving him a tattoo. Yeah, well, I've never watched that show. Not, not a good idea. Yeah. Not a good idea. Yeah. Just uh, the premise of it is just, uh, it's awesome, though. Yeah. <laughs> but so, yeah, you save all that time. Yeah. And, and like, everyone is like, oh, but then I save. But I'm like, you go, you trust your life to everyone everywhere all the time. And the only thing you're in control of is when you drive. But it's, it's not just you. Right, right. Who do you trust more? Do you trust Google more? Or do you trust this moron driving next to you on the highway? Like... Well, if the moron's not selling my data, <laughs> no, of course, the, the self-driving car makes more sense. If it's, it's, you know, like, I don't know if I would trust every single car manufacturer. That's interesting. That. So you think that, I mean, that's true today, right? Like, you yeah. want to buy a car that's going to explode on you or something. But right. the trust in the car manufacturer becomes even more. Right. That's super interesting. Like, who's doing the, the research there and all that? You know, like, would I trust Toyota? Probably, I mean, they they would do anything to not tarnish the reputation of great, reliable cars. Same thing with Honda, you know. Uh, VW, I would love to trust them, you know. Um, I haven't had a good experience with some of their cars. Yeah, yeah, you know? me too, actually. You know, so that's and it was a high-end car. It, it was a Porsche, and it was just like, I would wow. never recommend this thing to anyone. That's funny. And my dad had a Touareg, and like, the computer was just... Yeah blitzing out all the time like what i trust ford with it absolutely not so this weekend we went to to this wedding we rented a ford uh expedition excursion i don't know we fit nine people in the thing it was like a school bus and it was crazy and you know like when i would go close to 70 miles an hour and there wasn't crazy wind i just did not feel comfortable with it Wow. it was just awful and then inside i'm like you guys can't nail the you know the one pixel off or like the the graphics on your display i'm like this looks like shit I would not trust you with self-driving ever. That's super interesting, right? Because now it's like, okay, so, you know, the design's not that good and whatever, but, like, I'm the one controlling the vehicle, so ultimately, like, I am responsible. But, you know, essentially you are now hiring Ford to drive for you. Right, right. And the stakes are a lot higher as far as the trust there. So what will happen there? Like, Ford will buy the technology, let's say, from Google, you know, and nothing against Google or Android, but I prefer iPhones because... Apple went all the way from everything to design the software, hardware, and everything works, you know, in my opinion, great, right? So what happens when Android is all over different phones? 
some phones have great experiences, some don't. But the ones that don't doesn't mean they're bad manufacturers. It's just that there's just a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of people's hands on one thing. So do you think Apple will have a self-driving car? I don't care if they do. I, I love Tesla. You know, I will buy one. If they do, I don't know. Let's see what happens. I had a tweet a while ago that said, I hope I get rich enough soon enough that there's still time to buy a Tesla before Apple comes out with a car. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. But, you know, even if they do, I don't think like they, they're, you know, it'll probably be great. Who knows? I don't know. That might be their demise. <laughs> but the trust issue is interesting. I hadn't really thought about that before. Yeah, like, as of now, I would not buy a Ford self-driving car, mm. you know? Yeah. Just because, like, the it way... It sounds like you wouldn't buy a regular car from them either right now. Oh, I mean, some of them look nice. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think that the little tiny uh, whatever hatchback is cool. But as the, yeah. the, the bar gets... gets yeah, yeah. What's the, what's the verb here? Gets risen? Rosed. Rosed. <laughs> yeah, I'm not the, the, the person to ask raised. with the English. Uh, me too, apparently. Yeah. Um, well, listen, man, uh, I know you have to literally go and pack. Yeah, I should be uh, home packing. Um, but I want to thank you so much for, for taking the time and great to see you before you hey, likewise. head off. Yeah. And um, best of luck. I think yeah. I, I think there's some, some big things in store and uh, you got to keep us posted. From, yeah, uh, we'll come back for session two. Yes, we will. <laughs> and, right. and come to Bulgaria. Yeah, now yeah. I know there's great vegan restaurants, fast internet. Yeah, and yeah. Sounds, sounds pretty good. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> All right, man. All right. If you are not subscribing to this podcast, you should do that immediately. And if you are subscribing, I would ask you to pass it on to a friend and tell them to subscribe. And then there will be more subscribers. See you next time.